everybody, episode number 13. So I just left y'all off on uh, the uh, part there where I was starting to communicate a little bit with uh, my fancy new invention there that my dad and I had came up with. And, uh, and that was working out great. That made life so, so much easier. And where it really made things easy was, as I was saying in the last episode, we were starting to get into a little physical therapy and a little occupational therapy. And what I was getting at with that stuff was, as I explained, my body was deteriorated. Nothing left. So it is at least, at the very least, very important for them to come in and, and, and work with you a little bit. They move you around. Um, they, uh, they even actually tried to get me set up on the edge of the bed quite a few times. They'd just get a hold of me and try to get me set up. Even though I wasn't, I was so weak and not moving and still, still didn't have any function going on. I was, it was, uh, it was like probably real similar to, to, uh, to trying to move around like a 123 pound at the time board it just wasn't wasn't real uh, cooperative it was a lot of work for them guys i'm sure but but no it, it really is though it's really important for them to get in there and try to get you moved around and and a lot of that is to even though your muscles are deteriorated and they're pretty much gone it is very important to keep that stuff moving because once the once they deteriorate and everything if they stop moving like i said they'll shrink things will start to harden you'll be locked up the human body will lock up it will it will get to a point where they can't even bend your elbows i had certain parts there where moving certain certain uh, limbs and stuff and at certain joints it just wasn't happening because i was completely locked up so the step for handling that is stretching a lot of stretching Stretching ended up being one of the, the biggest things in my recovery. And to this day, it's still something that I, I deal with pretty regularly to continue trying to recover out of this stuff. But, but yeah, physical therapy and uh, occupational therapy, they were coming in pretty regularly. I've got my fancy new uh, sunglasses with my laser pointers on there. And we got these poster boards set up. So the uh, poster boards had phrases on them and letters and numbers and uh, at one point I remember one of them boards actually had some pictures of certain stuff like uh, pictures of a toilet so that, that was like something that I could just really fast get the laser pointer on it and uh, they would know something to do with me having either a, uh, avoiding uh, fluid or having a bowel movement or something. Okay, so it was, it was something to start with. And that's actually, a, it's a really good tool. Okay, so as I described a couple episodes ago when the hospital had went through all this stuff with my insurance and, and all this planning and everything, and they brought up that computerized like virtual program that that went on there that was supposed to read my thoughts and, and the the 
the way uh, it would read where my eyes were focusing and stuff. Okay, that thing was a total flop. That's that systems, uh, if I remember correctly, was I want to say close to a hundred thousand bucks for that system, and it just wasn't doing anything. That was a system that that did absolutely nothing for me. But my one dollar pair of sunglasses, my one dollar uh, laser pointer, and about three dollars worth of poster board. We got five bucks into this system and it made everybody's life 100% easier. Easy, easy, easy. It was a huge game changer. I started getting responses when it came to uh, stuff I was feeling, uh, things I wanted to say. Like, it was a huge game changer. Like, it actually was something, it was, it was an element that brought me a little bit out of the depression. It was... I mean, don't get me wrong, I was still a little frustrated and, and depressed because, I mean, realistically, I mean, you, I was going through a lot and and it's hard to, to go through that much and not have some mental health stuff taking, taking control. But, but ultimately, the way that played out was it started getting it to the point where I wasn't as agitated, I wasn't as frustrated with uh, trying to get out the things that I needed to say and when nursing would come in there to help me with something it uh it was way easier way faster for them to just be like oh okay well we'll get right on it you know so we just basically cut down yeah I mean for an example there was times you know when they would come in there and they we would sit there and ask questions and go through everything they would try different things and stuff. We might waste 30 minutes trying to get to the bottom of what I actually needed. When we developed the sunglasses, the laser pointer, and the poster board, uh, we had it down to seconds. I had it to where I could literally, they would just hold the poster board up above me or out in front of me if they had me tipped up in the bed a little bit. And, and I would literally just, I would pick words and put sentences together with that laser pointer. I had just enough movement in my head that it was making it happen. Um, and, and it's all, when, when they came up with the poster board, it was, it was something that, that was kind of the doorway to some new, a new thing there. Because when I was talking earlier about understanding the situation understanding what the patient's going through and that whole that whole scenario just knowing what was going on and it would make it easier so in in the situation where i couldn't move my head at all and and this deal with sunglasses and laser pointers just wasn't an option well that time back then i had my eyes so i was blinking those yes and no answers for all these questions they would ask and sometimes it would take 500 questions to get to the bottom of what we were actually needing to get to and that's what was getting frustrating so it's the same deal it's if you understand the situation and you can develop something common and then organize the way you're going to ask these questions with the most important stuff okay so like i was saying my example with the uh with a newborn baby not you know when a baby cries the the first thing we're thinking of is 
Obviously, we do an assessment really fast. We look and see if there's anything obviously wrong. But then we're thinking either A, he's hungry, or B, they uh, soiled a diaper, or, you know, it's either A, we need a diaper change, or we need food. So you just really adapt to the situation. If you understand the situation, you'll know things. And that's kind of how it was when we started developing the poster boards. When we had the poster boards set up and uh, whoever drew them up, it might have been my cousin Teresa and my Aunt Judy. Um, my dad did a little bit, I know. But he, uh, they, when they did this, it was, it was common things I would want to say. It was, and then obviously we had one that was just the alphabet. So if there were certain words that just weren't on my common words uh, board, then I could go ahead and spell them out. Well, if it was something that I was using fairly regular, then they would adapt that, you know, because it was, it was something that turned into a common word. So then to make it easier to where I didn't have to spell it out every time, we would turn it into a word that I could just point at and it was boom, done. We had the words. So it was, it was a huge game changer. It was a huge game changer. And it was a big game changer when, when therapy would come in and stuff and we'd have things and I would have questions. I had a lot of questions. Okay. I didn't 100% fully understand this disease still at four months. I still didn't completely understand it. As a matter of fact, my big breakthrough understanding the disease was when I was introduced to a video of another Yombre victim. Um, at least she's out of Canada. Her name's Holly Gearlock. So I've talked. I've had a lot of conversations after all this with Holly, and she wrote a book called Happily Ever After, and it's Happily Ever After GBS. And uh, it, uh, it's, it's a. Uh, it, it was a good deal that they made a video. So somebody made a video. And they put it on YouTube about her story. Okay, and in her story, she she ended up developing Guillain-Barre. It just kind of came after uh, and hit her after she gave birth to, I believe, her little girl. So if you can imagine, you know, having a baby and then within a couple weeks, you're 100% paralyzed on a ventilator laying in a hospital bed and can't do anything. Okay, so honestly, I mean, her story is, is very, very, uh, it's a grabber of your feelings when you watch that story. If, if any of you get the chance to get on YouTube and just check out Holly Gearlock um, and Guillain-Barre Syndrome, you'll see a good story. And somebody brought that in and I, on a tablet and they, they let me watch the video they held the tablet there for me and let me watch the video and that actually gave me one of the most clear understandings about what the heck was going on with me because the doctors would come in and they would try to explain it and you know most doctors they spit out words that are about five feet long and I'm, I'm just a musician slash equipment operator that came in off the road that uh lives in a in a in an apartment building and uh, grew up on a ranch so i don't know these five foot long scientific words when they're throwing them at me so that i i'm just you know 
I'd start to kind of understand a little bit of what they were saying, and then they would throw these one of these words out there, and it would just totally throw me off. And I'm like, blah, 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 what? You know, so it, it was one of them deals. So with Holly's story being on YouTube and them guys showing me that, it, it gave me a little more of a like down-to-earth understanding about what the heck this this disease was doing. But it also it also gave me a a little bit of clarity that there was a little hope because her case was pretty bad. Now she was in and out of the hospital fairly, fairly quick compared to me. Now fairly quick is coming from a guy that spent about a year and a half in the hospital. <laughs> so in her situation, I want to say she was in there like six to nine months um, is what she ended up spending in there. And she came out and she actually recovered really well. She was, she was part of her video was she got out and it wasn't long after she got out she was doing doing a workout videos and stuff in her living room and it was it was a good reminder that, that i had a little hope so at month four and in that fourth month with therapy coming around with me finally being able to communicate a little bit we're moving my body around it's not moving on its own or anything but they're moving it around and uh and we start experimenting a little bit with cutting down the amount of air the uh, ventilator is actually cranking in for me so it it's a big thing to try to start getting the lungs to, to fire the diaphragm and everything to start firing to do some of its own work and it's kind of a time-consuming process when you've been on the ventilator for that long so by that time like I said it had been four months and uh, my lungs hadn't didn't have to do anything on their own for four months so trying to get everything to fire trying to stimulate different different parts of my body to get get things trying to move to get the brain to remember the the movements and you know it was a common phrase every time therapy would come in there it just they'd tell me all the time well you just need to really think about it think about it really hard just think about moving your thumbs or think about moving your wrist think about it really hard if you just think about it think about it think about it eventually you, you will start to redevelop a signal and make it happen you know and that was that's what theory was so I was in that stage therapies coming in we're doing this stuff we kind of got me amped up a little bit because I'm finally able to ask some questions and stuff without them having to ask 500 questions they could just get the uh, the board out and I could start pointing at stuff with my laser pointer and uh, get whatever question I wanted out there so it was it was a really good it was a really good tool to boost my spirits a little bit and what I ended up developing at this point was a little bit of hope a little bit of motivation and I started to get into trying to set goals okay but my goals were huge my goals were way huge I got into the routine there where I started to set goals that were out of out of my reach they weren't impossible but at the in the current time 
they were out of my reach they were there was stuff and that and that got a little frustrating so one thing that that i'll get into a little bit later is is the way i redevelop how to set those goals because in this fourth month my goals were really unrealistic really unrealistic and that that is an appetite or a, a, a recipe for for uh disappointment okay so i mean you can really start to play with your own feelings a little bit and the way your mind is trying to process things you know and, and i would do it a lot i'd be like man okay this is the deal here so i saw this youtube video and this gal had guillain Bray syndrome and uh she ended up walking out of there you know at six months so i'm gonna walk out of there at six months you know so I was really starting to set goals and it was goals. My body just wasn't recovering like hers. And that was something that's really important to know about Guillain-Barre syndrome. All the cases are different. I mean, it all runs on the same baseline. Your nerves demyelinate and you end up paralyzed. The severity is different between patient to patient. And uh, the rate of recovery is different between a lot of different patients i mean it's it's always different so it's just it's a real unpredictable thing i actually had a doctor that would come in on a regular basis and he'd just sit there and he'd kind of give me the same song and dance every time he'd come in and he'd just kind of explain to me he's like look nerves remyelinate sometimes at about a millimeter every 24 hours now that's not very much when you're six foot tall <laughs> and there's a lot there's a lot of damage so like when you're as bad off as I was in this in this whole situation, that is a lot of nerve damage. That's a lot of remyelination and nerve repair that the human body has to do, and it's a workout. But you can tell that it's 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 happening because different little little feelings would start to come up, and when outside of that phantom stuff. In that fourth month, I eventually started moving my thumbs. So that was what the doctor had told my kids when they came to visit me was when he starts to move his thumbs, that's a good indicator that it's going to start coming back. So when I finally was sitting there thinking about it. And I remember to this day, there was a nurse standing beside my bed and she was taking notes for her the start of her shift. So she was getting everything checked out with me and she got me look, looked at and did her, her uh, start of shift assessment on me, read the notes. She was reading the notes from the last shift and I'm sitting there and I kind of got excited for a minute because it felt like I'd moved my right thumb. And she looked over at me and she, she was like trying to see what I had going on. And she went to grab my glasses. By this time, everybody knew that I had the, my laser glasses so I could use them on the boards and actually ask questions and say something. Well, she went to grab those and I was, I spelled it out on the, on the uh, alphabet deal that I was, I felt like my thumb was moving. And she looked down and she kind of pulled the sheet to the side and she, I thought she was going to cry because she was like, oh my God, your thumb is moving. 
and we just opened a doorway to to the next step in recovering from beyond race so once you start getting that movement back it is very important to try to keep moving try to keep going with it so I'd, I'd sit there and I'd just try to I'd move them pretty soon my hands my wrists at the wrist I, I started getting a little bit of movement at the wrist not a whole lot not a whole lot but a little bit something was definitely firing down there and I was getting some kind of response so at that point in time the brain has officially reconnected point A and point B in my thumbs so that doctor I have no idea he it's got to be experienced but he uh he called it and he was right on the money so my kids were pretty excited they would come in there and my dad would sit there and they'd call my kids and my kids would tell me good night and they love me and stuff over the phone on speakerphone my dad would just hold the phone there and the excitement that came over that phone when my dad told my kids on the speakerphone that my thumbs started moving because every time they would call that was the first question dad are your thumbs moving yet and my dad had have to break the news to him because I couldn't talk so my dad would have to break the news to him nope they're not moving but at this point in time my dad finally he moved his thumbs I could I could feel the excitement of my kids coming through that phone and it was it was a huge it was a huge milestone huge milestone but this is in the fourth month so something else that falls into this fourth month is my birthday Okay, we, uh, I'm at this point in time, so I'm moving my thumbs a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of fire in, in my wrists. And, uh, I'm starting to get that, that little bit. They would use this stuff, I want to say it was, uh, biogel or something like that. It, it was, uh, the stuff they would put in my mouth. So another problem that we started to run into was the fact that my teeth were literally rotten away. Being on the ventilator, a lot of people think about the ventilator and the only thing on their mind really is the respiratory system. There's a lot that comes into play with being on that ventilator. And one thing that was coming into play with me was my teeth were not getting any kind of nutrient. They were dry, they were aired out. The enamel was rotting away. So it actually, when I look back now and I look at some of the pictures and stuff from back then, my teeth were total garbage. I, lo I looked like a, uh, oh, I'm, I'm trying to think, on Aladdin. On Aladdin when, when the uh, Jafar, yeah, I think Jafar, when he was... Uh, pretending to be the old homeless guy that looked like he'd been eating rocks for 20 years that's what my teeth looked like that's what I reminded myself of so it was pretty bad I was in bad shape and it was actually something that was really bothering me I was getting toothaches I was I had a lot of pain in my face and stuff just from the deterioration of my teeth and the way things were breaking down and so they started using this this gel 
they would put it in my in my mouth and they just put a drop of it on my tongue and I could kind of roll it around in my mouth and and keep my mouth wet and that and that really helped a lot but and they did everything they could they'd come in there and they'd they'd brush my teeth a little here and there uh at least once a day but uh being dry hour upon hour it's just it's not enough it's really hard to keep keep the reaction when you're on the ventilator that long it's really hard to completely weed out every effect that it might have on you and and the effect it was taking on me was it was killing my teeth i didn't have perfect teeth in the beginning anyways so the ventilator literally ended up finishing my teeth off and it, when i look back at those pictures it's it really actually kind of disgusts me a little bit because i i'm, I'm almost embarrassed by just how bad they looked and i know that's a bad thing to say and i i shouldn't be embarrassed by it but I, to look at yourself and see yourself in that situation and how bad you look and and uh whatnot it isn't even about other people seeing you it, it's really it's really gut-wrenching and, it, and it's a it's a tearjerker to me to look back at those times look at those pictures and actually think to myself holy smokes I was in the worst shape I could have ever imagined at this point in time and and I still had a long journey ahead I wasn't really moving anything still just a little twitch in my thumbs and my wrists and that was about it other than my head so so the the whole effect of what it was what it had done to my body was just just another thing that would trigger trigger that depression that I had just kind of lingering there it was one of those deals where where I, I really had to find it inside of myself to accept okay it's just it's just a bad hand of cards <laughs> this is not my fault and uh, this is this is just this is a this is a bump in the road looks can be fixed teeth can be fixed and uh, it's time to time to go forward you know I gotta keep focusing on going forward I got therapy in there every day trying to move me around and stuff and it's and it's very entertaining and and <laughs> they would the the therapy team sometimes would do it and then other times it was just nurses so bathing i get asked a lot about bathing and hygiene at this at this point in the adventure and they had uh ways that they would they would bring in these these uh um they were like PVC tables. They could get you out. They could do sponge baths. They could they could kind of keep you keep your hygiene up a little bit with that kind of stuff. But one thing they would do when they would move me around like that, because something regular that would that would happen is they'd come in and they'd change your bedding and put new bedding on, and uh, they got to get you out of that bed. Uh, some of those nurses were flipping awesome. They could change the sheets and everything on that bed just by rolling you over to one side, tuck everything in, get it all situated, then roll you back over. Some of them were just awesome. I got to give some of them guys a lot of credit because 
because they were they were just they were badasses that's just how it is so but one of the things that i was going through there that that was funny to me in a sense and i and i chuckled in my head all the time because i and i got a little humor about it when you're in a situation like this you gotta find the humor in something okay there's there's got to be a laugh inside your mind somewhere and as i always say laugh a little bit of laughter or a good joke and uh that stuff that stuff is a lifesaver okay just just a little bit of laughter can be a lifesaver and i'm a firm believer in that but one thing they would do is they'd come in there with what they call a hoyer lift okay and this thing is basically a motor hoist <laughs> as what i'm i'm thinking is a cherry picker uh as some of us call them they bring it in there it's got these four hooks on it and uh six hooks i can't remember Anyways, it's got a series of hooks on it. They roll you over and they put this sling under you. They get you rolled over on it. They lower the thing down. They put the straps up there, hook them up, and they pick you up. And it's literally, the way I always felt about it was like the movie Free Willy. <laughs> they sling that whale to go put him back in the water. That's what I felt like. And it was, it was the funnest part of my day was when they had to pick me up. Now, sometimes it hurt like heck. I had a lot of pain. My body at this time still felt like it was being burned from all the nerve damage and stuff and some of the sensory nerves being damaged um, just from the surface and uh, the, the deterioration of my tissues and stuff. I could feel all that. And that was the point I was in right there. So I was in a lot of pain. I wasn't moving, but I was having a lot of fun swinging around that room in that wire sling. So as a matter of fact, I got to keep my sling. So it was pretty neat. But anyways, you guys, I'll talk to you in the next episode. We're running out of time here. Uh, we'll get into that next episode. We'll move on to another leg of this story. I got lots to tell you and uh, a lot of good things coming your way. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.